0: What's going on, everyone? Pat Zhang here, and I'll throw it to the intro and the normal episode in a little bit. But since we did record early, some big news did uh, finish, come out, however you want to put it. On Wednesday night, the Villanova women went into UConn, went to Connecticut, and beat the Huskies 72-69 to to deliver Villanova their first win Over UConn since 2004, Denise Dillon's squad gets her marquee win, and Denise Dillon gets her marquee win. I think this win underlines the phenomenal job Denise has done in just such a short period of time since she did come back to Villanova and the impact she has had on this program. I mean, she has done such an incredible job, and this really does underline it. Uh, it was a tough game. It was a back and forth game. Nova came out firing, you know, 20. They were uh, up by 10 at the end of the first put up 25. UConn was able to cut the lead to seven going into halftime and where this game was won was Nova came out of halftime firing Brooke Mullen hit some really big threes. Uh, in that third quarter, it helped them pull away. Leroy Garzon, uh, big factor as well, With 19 and Maddie Seabrest did, what superstars do, pitching in 17. Of course, Brianna Herlihy's 15 didn't hurt as well. Uh, the Cats crushed the Huskies on the boards, which was, it was a big factor in this. 37 rebounds for Villanova, just 21 for the Huskies, and 52% shooting as well from the Nova women. For the Nova women, that is now eight straight wins and 13 out of 14 on the docket as they are absolutely on fire. And I am pumped up. I am hyped up after watching that game. It was just it was such a big win for the program, such an energizing win. And like I said, I, I really do think that's, yes, it's a regular season game, but to, to have that crowning big win over a program that has been so dominant for so many years in Yukon in the Gina Wariama uh, era, that we've been in um, that this is a big deal and it-, it deserved to lead the show. So yes, they tried to do their best impersonation of what the men did on Tuesday nights where UConn really came out firing in the fourth quarter and cut a big lead down to three, which is going to sound very familiar when uh, I talk with Eugene in a, in a few seconds now from when you hear this, but the important thing is Villanova came away with the win. As I said, first one since 2004, what a win and way to go, cats! And now I will give it to me to uh, get into the rest of the episode. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to State of the Nova Nation, presented by Vu Hoops. I'm Pat Zhang. Emma Houghton still away on Olympic duty, but back again because he just cannot stay away from it. Now that he's back, Eugene repay, Eugene, how are you doing?
1: You let me in one time. I got the IP address. We hacked back into the Zoom, and here we are recording again on this beautiful Thursday.
0: The door has been opened, and you have parked yourself in it, and I love it because it is, of course, so much fun to uh, to have you on again. So, how did it feel to uh, to record, uh, you know, your your first show back earlier this week?
1: It, it was pretty cool to to be back, and you know, like I told you off the air, I'm just here for the ride. <laughs> you know, you're still pulling the strings it's uh it's still your show i'm just here for the journey
0: we are just an extension of your show is how i like to look at it and you know just in charge uh <laughs> trying to run things now but no always great to have you on and really excited to to have you on for back-to-back episodes you got quite an episode ahead of you uh, to try and uh, review what we all saw on tuesday night i'm not sure I fully comprehend what we saw on Tuesday night, but Villanova did come away with a 75-69 win over St. John's to improve to 18-8, and 11-3 in the conference. You know, I love to usually start on the positive side of things and then work our way through. I don't know how we can start anywhere else than the closing period of that game.
1: (laughs) When everything was going well until the final four minutes and 27 seconds.
0: Well, I guess first, even before we get in there, you you were at the Garden. What was the atmosphere like?
1: It was pretty awesome. I was pleasantly surprised. I know Nova usually represents very well at the Garden, but even St. John's came out and the late Tuesday night tip didn't mm. really deter anyone from showing up and the crowd was into it all night. So it was a fun time. It was a fun time back at MSG.
0: Now that that's awesome to hear. And as you said, everything was going real well, you know, a, a 20 point lead with about four and a half minutes left to go before St. John's closed on a 23 to six run to, to make things really interesting. Listen, I had a chance to tie things up with a three and with about 20 seconds left. That well, ended the way up
1: things were going. I thought it was going to go in. For oh, I second. did too.
0: I was fully expected that ball to go in. Um, <laughs> just, ugh. Why I focus on it is because that's really what I think my brain is ingrained on, especially with, you know, all the conversation that's been had this year that, you know, we had talked through earlier through the year. I know Brendan Riley's been doing an awesome job tracking, you know, and hoops and he did it again um, with an article that came out earlier today, but closing time is such an issue and it reared its head yet again, and this way, almost in what would have been the worst possible way. Yes, they did close it out, but it did not inspire confidence.
1: Yeah, one hand, a win's a win. Mm. You're happy about that. But then again, what just happened? (laughs) No one seems to know or can put into words what just happened on Tuesday night. I'm still trying to think and digest it over. Pat, it sounds like you're still in the same boat. I don't even know. Where do you want? Where do you want to begin? Where do you want to begin with Tuesday nights near collapse?
0: And that's the most difficult part here is that I'm trying to relive all this, you know, through it that we watched on Tuesday night. <laughs> it was just, I don't even know where to begin. Just the decision-making felt bizarre, um, you know, from insert many different occasions here. Um you know, the turnovers were crazy. I think they ended up making one shot and eight turnovers right over the last four and a half minutes. I believe that came straight from your recap, actually. So go check that out on VU Hoops. Um, the, the rotation, I don't even know if I want to kill, but we'll talk about it a little later. It, it was just one of the most bizarre ends to a game i i can remember and i think jay wright you know sums it up really well in that press conference where he talk, He says you know it's just amazing to me what happens at the end of games it's incredible you can play that well and the game can go in a certain way for that long then all of a sudden everything changes i honestly don't have an answer for you and quote there i don't know if i have an answer for you on what the heck happens
1: yeah when he said that to everybody in the press conference right after I was a little surprised but I did appreciate the honesty you know some coaches they might try to sugarcoat things or say this and that the fact that he was out for a loss of words that was just an answer enough in itself
0: I I I think so too and I would not have wanted to be in that locker room after the game and I definitely not that trip home is is gonna be brutal but you know it really does exacerbate an issue That we've talked about many, many times where this closing these last 10 minutes of games, it's just it's such a big problem at this point, especially, you know, top 50 10 Palm opponents. I'm I'm looking at Brendan Riley's article right now. Nova's minus 42 in the last 10 minutes of the game. I don't really know how to solve it because we talk about, you know, the rotation and extending minutes. And I, I do think that when Brian Antoine plays more and Jordan Longino plays more you allow for your starters to be able to finish stronger. Cause of course they're able to get a little bit more blow during the games, but this was a completely different animal because you're, <laughs> you're dealing with Justin Moore clearly hobbled from the ankle injury. Colin Gillespie is nowhere near what, you know, he normally would be if he was healthy. This was just a breakdown from everyone. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's one thing that just makes Tuesday night so hard to digest. I know a lot of people have been piling on a certain player. Yes,
0: that's why I haven't said that certain player.
1: I I honestly think that it's a multitude of different factors between the lack of late game awareness. All we need to do was just kill clock. Mm -hmm. No one was doing that. The turnovers didn't help. The pressure was a problem as well. It was very strange to see them panic or just the lack of composure in that last four minutes. That, that, to me, was very surprising.
0: There was a fluster that I think normally Villanova is looked at as this team that is so experienced and knows their system so well, and you're not going to throw them out of things. But St. John's brought that press, and it caused so many issues. They turned the ball over a ton uh, on Tuesday, which, of course, w- was not great to see. Uh, UConn did the same thing when they started to really ramp up the pressure as well Once Colin. Ah uh, went out towards the end of the game. And of course, Justin was out there too, you know, we talk about inbounding has been an issue for years. It, it's funny now every time this comes up, I think about the question we got, I don't know, a month or two ago asking about inbounding, and both Emma and I said, you know, inbounding hasn't been that bad this year. we're We're not too concerned about it. And then the past month has happened, and it's, oh my God, we're back to <laughs> back to where we were. Uh, But the, the 16 turnovers is what is what definitely scares me. And it's just the lack of, as I said, them being so flustered really surprised me. And what I'm interested in, what I was thinking about as we're seeing this all unravel last night, my head went to when asking Alan Ray about closing time. And he, he wondered if the focus isn't always there with this Villanova team and I think it's worth the question, especially the fact they are up 20 on the road against an inferior opponent in St. John's who had Posh Alexander out and Julian Champagny clearly hobbled and they let that lead, you know, slip down to three. How much of that is focus? And I I think it's a fair question to ask.
1: That's a good question to ask. And I know Brendan has put together all the different data Mm -hmm. points. Now there are certain games that you look at and you can definitely give credit to the opponent. Like for example, when they couldn't hold on and, those big non-con games. But then again, you look at St. John's, they didn't have Posh Alexander. You're up 20. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe complacency did have a role in what happened on Tuesday night. You combine that with Aaron Wheeler, who was just lights out for the whole game. And then all of a sudden, they're on a little run. Nova starts to panic a little bit as the clock winds down and the lead starts to shrink. I really hope that's not the case, but Someone in our VU Hoops comment section and in our chats had said something like our, our veterans aren't even playing like veterans. Our three-year, mm-hmm. four-year players aren't looking like three-year, four-year players. I really hope that this is, this is just one little blip where this is the, the low, like this is never going to happen again. But Brennan has brought up yeah. the closing points. It's been a topic of discussion throughout the season. I'm a little concerned. I don't know if it's as simple as focus, but there is definitely something wrong here.
0: There's something there. It is. And I just, I wish we could pinpoint it because I don't know what the answer is. Um, I do think there are a bunch of factors that go into this one. Just talked about the health of, uh, you know, Gillespie and more. I, I love that point that the veterans didn't play like veterans there. I, we have given Caleb props. He deserves a ton of props for how he's played, you know, throwing up the yes, open three, but the three with 20 seconds on the shot clock, which rimmed out. And then the one where I lost my mind was when he drove under the basket. St. John's has to foul and he made the pass and turned the ball over uh, under the hoop. I just, it's such out of character and weird plays. It felt like that is like your full moon night for Villanova. That just weird stuff was going to happen. And, anything weird that could happen did happen at the garden yeah,
1: especially in those 4 minutes like oh. everything everything was great you know for the first 35 36 minutes in the clear 20 point lead defense was elite yep and then all of a sudden it was like the monsters came out and sapped everyone's <laughs> abilities
0: That's exactly what it felt like. It it was just, it was a sloppy game too, because it felt like at every instance, Villanova should have just pulled away. And they did, you know, in in the second half, when it got cut to 34, 31, they go on that 13-0 run and it feels like there it is. They're going to bury St. John's now. Of course they got it up to 20 and then things evaporated. But even in the first half, they let St. John's stick around when nobody, and I mean nobody, was hitting anything for the Red Storm other than Aaron Wheeler. So uh, that was concerning to me. You know, talking about weird things happening, Villanova missed eight free throws on Tuesday night. That is not something you see very often from this team, only 71% uh, from the stripe. I've said it many times this season. It is their superpower that when they if they if they got there 28 times with how they've played this year, I would have assumed they hit 25 or 26. By missing those eight, they certainly made things a little closer uh, than I think any of us would have preferred. I keep saying it, but it's, it's because it's just true, and it's what's in my head. What a strange, strange game.
1: Yeah, Jay Wright said he's been doing this a long time. Hasn't seen anything like it. I definitely haven't seen anything like it. We've seen other collapses around the Big East. We have, in, you know, throughout the years. Fortunately, Nova dodged a bullet. So, on one hand, you're upset, but you can't get too upset mm-hmm. because a win is a win.
0: Love that. I love that, and that'll transition exactly where I wanted to go. And that, yes, things, of course, that, that where our minds are is probably that that late game just disaster that happened. But Villanova came away with a win. A much needed conference win, by the way, to continue to stay in the race with Providence on the road at Madison Square Garden, um, you know, against a team that does ramp things up. And with Colin Gillespie very clearly hobbled, he had his first scoreless game since Texas Tech in the Elite Eight in 2018. Um, Of course, 10 rebounds to go with it, really gutted it out and did whatever he could. But that's not the that is nowhere near the Colin Gillespie that we're used to seeing. Uh, And Justin Moore as well lacked. Any sort of ability to get into a rhythm in the first half started to heat up in the second half a little bit, but he missed four free throws um, in this game, something he has not done all year. I think that really leads into uh, a part of showing his health. You know, all things considered, as you said, a win is a win is a win. They got it on the road. They had their two top guards definitely compromised. And now they're heading back to Wells Fargo for a game against Seton Hall over the weekend.
1: Yeah, and and outside of everyone being happy to see those two being able to play because, as we all know, Jay Wright is becoming the master of the Bill Belichick (laughs) strategy and listing everyone as questionable game-time decision. There was a lot of uneasiness. Gillespie, when he went down against UConn, that was pretty scary. Moore, obviously, has been hobbled by this ankle injury since that scary fall in that Marquette game last week. But to see them both come out there with the starting five, You were happy. You were happy to go into that game. Then Eric Dixon comes in, monster start. Another great all-around game. Vibes are good. Nova goes on that big run. You start feeling really happy for yourself, and then uh, it just all falls by the wayside almost at the end.
0: Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) No, I I love what you're saying about the, the Bill Belichick with Jay. This goes past Jay as well. You know, we talk about the game time decision for them but just the, uh, the mind game of the Villanova Twitter account, tweeting out the, you know, like program they always do for every game with the time and the channel and all that. And having yeah. Chris Archidiakno as the player spotlighted after Jay said he was okay. going to start if Justin or Colin wasn't able to play, oh, hats off to the Villanova athletic department there. Cause that is just phenomenal. <laughs> um, I loved every second of that. Um, You know, if you talk about Eric Dixon, yes, Dixon did it again. Uh, I am really running out of ways to describe how impressed I can be with Eric Dixon. This was as physical a game I can remember Villanova being in this year. And Dixon was at the center of it when he absolutely clobbered. Uh, I forget exactly who it was from St. John's, but that got, you know, was reviewed for a flagrant. It was not a flagrant. I don't want to hear anything like that. Um, 16 points. Uh, seven boards, the three assists is always really impressive, seven of nine from the field, efficiency off the charts from the big man.
1: Yeah, and he was just finishing everywhere inside. I love the baby hook. Yes. Definitely becoming a staple of his arsenal. And then the lane violations. I've never seen anyone so good at that.
0: I I had this conversation with my dad uh, at the game um, against UConn, I have never seen anyone so consistently draw lane violations as this man does at the free throw line. And it's not like he has a hitch in his shot. Yes, it's slow, but it's <laughs> there's no stutter. It, it blows my mind how this guy is able to get a lane violation basically every game.
1: You're right about that. It's There's no hitch. There's no hezzy. There's no fake out or anything. I don't know. He just takes his time. So said he was the race and I guess I, everyone is just rushing.
0: I guess so. I, I guess so. Cause it, it is very entertaining to watch at this point. The the thing that I kind of perplexed me about Eric Dixon was that his last points and his last field goal attempt came two minutes into the second half, nothing for the rest of the game with how the fact that he then was at 16 points you know, so early into the second half and was really dominating St. John's underneath. They, I know Soriano's a a really nice post player and a a good rim protector, but they were struggling to contain him with Gillespie hobbled and, and more not able to get into a rhythm. I was very surprised that Eric Dixon was not the focal point down the stretch. And I actually think that did contribute to part of the collapse that we saw down the last four minutes, the guy that was scoring the ball the most efficiently And just putting the ball through the net wasn't really getting opportunities, which felt
1: very weird. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I thought that was also a little bizarre myself, the fact that they didn't feed him more in the second half. He got Nova started in the first, which is definitely great. He was another nice igniter down low. Mm. He helped Nova outscore, once again, their opponent 40-22 to in the paint. On the other hand, though, I was happy to see it be a, a balanced approach yeah. towards the second half. You you ended up with five different players in double figures, and I thought that was pretty important, especially in the first half it was okay. Dixon was obviously great, but offensively it was a, a little inconsistent with more struggling, Gillespie with an Ofer, but to see everyone start to get going in the second half, that was really assuring, and also we thought they were going to pull away, which... <laughs> Didn't happen, but hey, you know, it was gonna see anytime you see such a balanced approach like that, five different guys in double figures offensively, it's a good thing.
0: Yeah, no, it, I'm certainly on the same page with you there. Kind of been drumming this point the last couple episodes, and I'll stay with it. Brandon Slater's healthy or is is much healthier than we've seen for a while now, and oh, I think yes. it adds such a component. To this team when slate is healthy 15 points, which is, of course, a very healthy number for him. But what he did is he filled up the stat sheet, seven boards, three assists, a block and a steal. I felt like he was everywhere on defense. He was a big part of the physical play that we saw as well. And what Villanova did really poorly is they struggled from deep only 24 percent, five of 21 What Slater did was the back cuts and the cuts to the basket when either Samuels Moore, Dixon had the ball. It's so important for this offense when he is cutting because he does it so well. And his just basketball IQ is so high that he seems to always find himself in that position. And he did it time and time again to St. John's, which was really vital to, you know, as I said, finish with 15 points when Villanova needed it. They needed these guys to step up with Gillespie down on points.
1: No doubt, it looks like this team has gotten a little more comfortable when the threes aren't dropping. They're just going to lower their shoulder, put on their hard hats, and just drive it inside and punch them in the mouth. And the physicality on Tuesday was unlike anything I've seen. I don't think I've seen even a a game at the park like that in a while. That was just awesome to see the aggressiveness, even when they were dying or when they were sleeping, when they were sleeping in the street from the three-point line. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Both. But uh, they, they, they took it right to St. John's and the Johnnies didn't really have an answer for that.
0: No, no, they, they didn't. And it's a point that we've examined throughout the year and it's what I'd say the biggest transformation that I've been most impressed with, with this Villanova team was where it started and kind of its offensive attack at the beginning of the year, which of course was really centered around the threes. And we saw that the threes can be incredibly inconsistent, which just how this team is constituted. And as we got towards the end of December, moved through January. And of course we're in February now, they are attacking the basket and they are really making a living down low. As you said, putting on that hard hat, hard hat and grinding underneath the rim. They outscored St. John's 40 to 22 in the paint. That's a big deal. St. John's got some length um, and uh, the Johnny just kept chucking up threes. They, they never really you know, challenged Villanova too much. Around the lane, Champagny looked like he really wasn't interested in driving into the lane after he was dealing with the the hip and finger injuries and all of that. I have been impressed by seeing Nova kind of evolve and turn into a team that really can what we thought was going to be a bit of a struggle at the start of the season and interior scoring has turned into a big strength for this team.
1: That along with rebounding Mm. and, and it really all starts with Eric Dixon, just his gradual improvement throughout the year. And just the way he's been asserting himself, it looks like that has been setting the tone for the rest of the Cats and the rest of his teammates.
0: I I think so, too. Just how he's grown into that role. It's so important and it's so vital and it's so much more than I thought it was going to be. At the beginning of the season, I can only imagine the effect that that has then had on a Jermaine Samuels, on a Brandon Slater, you know, on a Caleb Daniels, who does who is down low a lot is a really good rebounding guard. Um, It's I use the word impressive because I don't even know what else to say with with what I have thought about his progression this season.
1: One other thing, too, that mm-hmm. I just want to throw out there, the defense. Needs a lot of credit. Yeah, Aaron Wheeler, he, he got it going, but no one else did. Champagne, nope. outside of a, a couple of shots towards the end of the game during that comeback bid, was re- wasn't was really, you know, impressive or or a real presence on the scoring end for St. John's. Montez Mathis missed his first 11 shots and finished <laughs> one for 14. And just overall, they, they held St. John's to just shooting 32% on the floor on 75 shot attempts. It's pretty good stuff.
0: Hey, like Wusu is a dangerous shooter and he can hurt you with, with his ability to stretch the floor. He wasn't able to get comfortable at all. It was two for seven, one for one for four from beyond the arc. As we said before, Champagne wasn't able to get into the game. It felt like he was on the periphery for the entire time. That's the player that you know has the ability to once he starts making shots to never stop, but they never fell. Uh, which is really difficult to do against a player of his caliber. Yes. Understand that he was dealing with injuries. And of course his sidekick there and Posh Alexander was out, but I I like your point that I did think the defense did a nice job kind of until later in the game. He on defensive strategy, we're starting to see a zone come out a little more often. We saw it actually a, a decent amount against UConn. It, I do not believe it came out at all against St. John's, which I thought it would, especially with Chris uh, playing 11 minutes, it it seems like when Chris comes on the floor that they have a little bit of an inclination to switch to his zone. None of it happened. So I I wonder if that was Jay playing matchups or if he's still kind of experimenting with his own in certain situations.
1: Or maybe he was like us and he thought 20 point lead. We have this in the bag. That
0: <laughs> could be that too. <laughs> no, you're right. But I, I do like the point uh, on Nova's defense and rebounding and all of that, that it was anytime you hold champagne to four 15 and 12 points is usually a good night. I mean, Aaron Wheeler's 31, I believe his previous career high was 17. So as much as I love Aaron Wheeler and I talked him up on the, on the episode earlier, I did not think we were going to get this version of Aaron Wheeler on Tuesday, but dude's a stud, you know, has made a big impact since coming over from Purdue.
1: On one hand, it was like, wow, this is really fun to watch. This is a great shooting performance. Mm. On the other hand, you're thinking, thank God the rest of the team is not doing well <laughs> because if they had anybody else that was able to get going, maybe they complete that comeback. Or even if they had Posh, maybe they complete that comeback.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh I just say, thank God he wasn't the one that took the three with the potential to tie the game up (laughs) because I did not want to see the ball in his hands and that ball uh, hurtling towards the basket. (laughs) thank you. Um, Before we we finish up here, I do think we have to talk about the bench um, and some minutes distribution. Yes, things, of course, were not normal, as we have talked about, you know, many times in this game. I actually think the quote from Jay on Colin. Just sums up how compromised he truly was. And I said, the trainer told me he's not going to be able to play. And then in warmups, he said, I want to try it. You know, we were thinking we start him and probably take him out two, three minutes in. Obviously, that did not happen. But I, I think it just shows about how hobbled Gillespie still was. You look at the minutes distribution, then Caleb Daniels put up 30. Chris Archidiakono, second off the bench in 11 minutes. Jordan Longino, seven. And Brian Antoine finished with just four minutes. You know, I'm not surprised that Caleb got as much run as he did because, of course, he's the first guy that you would go to when you need to step in with the bench. And we know about the scoring punch he can provide as well. I have to say I was pretty surprised Brian Antoine finished with just four minutes, especially with the impact we saw when he did come out there. He came away with the two quick steals.
1: Yeah, he he provided some nice energy in the limited glimpses he had. I was a little surprised myself just considering – when Nova went on that big 13-0 run, you thought, okay, 20, big double-digit lead. You can start throwing some of the other guys out there. We didn't see the other guys. We just saw mm-hmm. a lot more Caleb Daniels and Chris Hart-Judyakno.
0: Yeah, so I I guess since we're kind of talking about it now, I'll, I'll ask the question instead of going for the mailbag. We did have a question coming from Matt. Do you think Brian Antoine's recent lack of playing time is due to his latest injury or more of a lack of trust from Jay?
1: It could be both to be I th- honest. I think but it I, is too. I think it is both.
0: Yeah. I We've seen from Jay that in instances where your name is not Colin Gillespie or Justin Moore uh, coming back from injury, they, they like to, you know, hold him out a little bit. We've seen that with Brian Antoine a ton, you know, especially factoring in his career injury struggles. I have a feeling that has to play into the back of the mind is that they don't want him to do too much too quickly and then find himself on the shelf for an extended period of time because it has happened so often but as we as we have also seen throughout Antoine's career I, i'm not sure he has ever fully earned Jay's trust and especially on a night like Tuesday night where i did think there was an opportunity for him to be out there for you know say 10 12 minutes 4 is a pretty telling number
1: yeah and he was playing double digit minutes before mm-hmm. his ankle injury so i think on It definitely plays a role into it. They never fully disclosed how bad it was other than he turned his ankle in practice and he's going to miss the next couple of games. But the fact that his minutes haven't gone back to where they were before, I don't know. The the leash is definitely short for Antoine. That's, That's not a surprise to anybody. I just think you would have loved to see the guy out there more. Unfortunately, it didn't happen on Tuesday.
0: So I'll ask you the tough question then. Should the leash be so short on Brian Antoine when it seems like the leash is so long at times on Chris Archdiacono?
1: Well, see, now here comes the part where
0: (laughs) I'm sorry. I had to do it. I
1: I eat my pride. I I, I was waiting for this moment on the show where (laughs) I tried to (laughs) bury it for you. Play, play back what I, what I've just said last time. And yeah, just put a bunch of buzzers on it. Yeah. Yeah. Never count out an Archie Diaco. No, that was that was pretty tough. That was that was pretty rough. Pretty rough it, at the end there.
0: It it was a rough one for him. And I I think listen, it to me it wasn't new information. We know he can struggle when teams really turn up the heat. We know he can struggle with some quickness on the defensive side of the ball. And I think this game was just uh, unfortunately for him a perfect storm of all of that coming together add in the fact that he was relied upon a little more because you had Gillespie and more not able to impact things as normal. And it just, it led for a lot of a, a spotlight being on him, especially being an inbounder that uh, certainly was responsible for some, some rough passes that came in. So that, that is the uh, nicest way I can uh, try and put things through there. Cause I know it was, it was a struggle on Tuesday. And I, I'd like to see Antoine gain more of those minutes and Longino too, if we want to look at that.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Shout out to Longino. definitely needs more minutes. God, as I well. love
0: Longino. But Bill Rafter, I know you were you were at the game, so you weren't listening. But Raft was on the call. He mentioned multiple times that he is excited by Longino and thinks he's going to be a player here at Villanova. I happen to agree. I think you see all the physical tools from Jordan Longino. I think he has turned into a player that has played you know, pretty solid defense and, and really flashes that athleticism at times. I am, as we all know from listening to me throughout the season, I am all in the camp of uh, continuing to up his minutes because I do think he just brings a different type of dimension to this Villanova backcourt.
1: Yeah, and one other thing about Longino, and, and very much to his credit, I know the fans and a lot of people have been clamoring about minutes and this and that, but if you talk to him, his mentality is like – Wow, this guy's a freshman. You wouldn't think that at all. Awesome. He's just so mature about the whole situation. You ask him, you can ask him about, oh, what do you think about this and that? And, and he'll just sit there and be like, look, if the team needs me to get water bottles or mop up the floor, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going <laughs> to cheer for my teammates. They need me to score, I'll score. If they need me to do this, I'll do that. Like, that's what you love to hear. Like, this guy is fully bought in and, and he had that kind of mentality even before he set fun on campus. And that's exactly what you love to see from a freshman. I'm excited. Hopefully the future is very bright for him. But in regards to, to Chris Archie Diakono, yeah, even when those inbounds were able to get in, those passes were a little shaky. Yeah. The St. John's student section was counting to five for a five-second violation, and he looked a little shaken up from that. I was also a little surprised that Jay waited until St. John's trimmed it to three to finally call timeout. That, mm-hmm. was, that was a little bizarre. And, yes, of course, like, after he had turned it over three three times in the last four minutes, the fact that he was still inbounding most of the passes was a little bit of a surprise to me.
0: Yeah, I, I have to say I, I was pretty surprised to say, with just the length of the leash it seemed like he had. Um, I, I know he seems to be a player that has Jay's trust, but especially on Tuesday night, it, it did not seem like he was earning that trust uh, without things were going. So I, I do think you're spot on there.
1: Yeah, we're being nice right now. If you want real radical takes, just go oh, to the View Hoops comment section.
0: I, we are being nice. I know. We're, we're trying to frame it very, very nice. And, yes, I was reading through those earlier today. So, I know exactly what you are referring to. Uh, is there anything else from that uh, the Nova St. John's game you want to hit?
1: Either I jinxed Chris R.T. badly or my words have just been eaten alive.
0: <laughs> hey, It happens it uh I, i'll tell you my worst one this year was on the uh, crossover episode we did where we were talking through our, our biggie's preview and picking all the games direct quote from me i'm not concerned about marquette this year i don't think they can score enough that turned out great
1: see that's fair though because at that time they were they were struggling a little bit they were lumping into biggie's play they were on a losing stretch Who who could have seen this kind of <laughs> ascension so quickly throughout the year i not many people did
0: i appreciate the kind words there because looking back at it i'm like what was i thinking but uh we we've we've talked about marquette plenty about how impressive they've been so all right cool no that that'll do it for us then on our our recap here and we can move into uh, another wells fargo game this weekend
1: Oh yes! Oh yes! The Seton Hall Super Bowl.
0: Uh, it doesn't. It feels like it happens every year, right? Like Seton Hall Wells Fargo Super Bowl weekend, just clockwork.
1: Yeah, wasn't it the same case in 2019? I think right or 2018.
0: I I want to say when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, so 20 you know 2018, it was the same thing, uh, and I, it might have happened again. Uh, since then as well but this is not the first time we'll put it that way
1: <laughs> oh no yeah definitely definitely not the first far from the last and this upcoming one on Saturday should be pretty good because you Hall will be closer to full strength than they were the last time out
0: yeah it certainly looks like it so I'm excited for this one it as is at Wells Fargo as we said it is the final scheduled game at wells fargo this season i throw that little scheduled in there because you know if things turn out very nicely from the committee and villanova wins a couple games in the NCAA tournament they could be back there but that's why we'll go with scheduled because we know we're none of us trying to get ahead of ourselves here um so seton hall does have a game on wednesday night we are actually recording during it so we will not know if uh if seton hall or xavier wins that game but it is a big one for the hall, you know, the the Pirates have been dealing with Bryce Aiken being out with, you know, a litany of things, especially a concussion that he's been dealing with Aiken. Of course, kind of the how I look at it, the straw that stirs the drink, but they've been able to stay afloat, you know, even with him going out. Yes, they dropped the St. John's game and the Marquette game, but come back strong here with a, a good win over Georgetown and then just a dominating win over Creighton. Uh, where they were up, I think we even mentioned it on the last episode, 40 to 16 at some point. It's been a pretty balanced attack since Aiken went out. Kerry Richmond is certainly the one you want to look at. We know all about the size that they can throw out there with Yetna and Obiagu. And Jared Roden still has the ability to, you know, to go off at any time. So I do not expect an easy game when it comes to Saturday. And we know Seton Hall always brings it when they play Villanova.
1: Seton Hall does always bring it when they play Villanova. But whenever the game's at the Wells Fargo Center or at the Pavilion, I, I feel way more confident. Mm. I feel a lot better. Now, if this was at the Rock again, I would say, oh, okay. Well, they got the full team back. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anymore. But because Nova's at home, I feel like this will be a more comfortable win than it was the last time out where they barely squeezed it out. And Seton Hall was missing a couple guys due to COVID protocols. I think even though Seton Hall will get those key guys back, Nova should be able to pull it out. But it's going to be a very different game because they're going to have their main big men back and potentially Bryce Aiken.
0: Yeah, exactly. This is going to be very different than the New Year's Day game because that front core is going to be a heck of a lot more solid than we did see then, and I doubt Seton Hall gets down to, wasn't it, six or seven guys after foul outs too? Um, oh,
1: yeah. Oh, <laughs> how could I forget? How could I forget? No. <laughs> I sit here and I think through all the crazy ref games and the DePaul one comes to mind, mm-hmm. but how can I forget the Seton Hall game? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah uh, Seton Hall was out of centers <laughs> at the six-minute mark. They they had guards only or something, something crazy like that. It was
0: some great situational awareness from our Big East referees to just start calling fouls on everything Seton Hall did when they were already super strapped for players. So uh, that could sum up Big East officiating that we have many examples. To go to this season. Yeah, it's a home game. So, of course, that will certainly play into things here. I'm not super impressed with Seton Hall. I I think they can be dangerous, especially as you talk about what that front court can look like for them. You know, they're big wins. They, of course, had the win over Michigan, uh, Texas and UConn this year. So they can put it together and put it together against solid opponents. I look at that team offensively especially if Aiken is a no-go, which we do not know. He certainly may be back by then. I feel like Villanova can, can take advantage there. And a point I really want to look at is that since conference play started, they are eighth in the conference in personal fouls per game. They foul a lot. And Villanova, as we know, is really, really good at knocking down free throw shots. So if Villanova can really attack the paint as we are seeing them doing, continue to kind of use that as a focal point and get to the free throw line. I think there's a chance here for Villanova to, to start to pull away late, though I'm sure with it being Seton Hall, they will find a way to stay in this game.
1: Yeah, this will certainly be another physical battle for the third game in a row. It's going to be lots of bodies hitting the floor, banging down low, Hopefully the three drops will definitely Mm -hmm. make the job easier. But if not, yeah, be ready for another hard hat game.
0: hard hat game is is kind of where I look at here because that is Seton Hall in a nutshell. Um, They... They're ninth overall in the conference and three points attempted per game. So this is going to be a big test again for Eric Dixon to see how he's able to patrol the paint. You know, you're going to need a big game defensively from Jermaine Samuels underneath there. And I'm sure Slater will find himself around the basket as well, because that's what the Pirates do. They attack the basket and they are going to look to do that. They're going to look to exploit some size, which they certainly have the advantage over Villanova. And as I said, they, they just find ways to make things really difficult.
1: Yeah, and one thing about the Seton Hall team is it seems like they're starting to find a rhythm again. Mm -hmm. It looked like they lost themselves for a little bit there in that late January stretch, mid to late January stretch. But they've been back on track again, and this is definitely a a different kind of team than the last one we saw.
0: Yes, certainly is. Oh, man, I wish we had the uh, measuring stick of the Xavier game to uh, to really go off of, too, because I am so intrigued to see how that turns out being a home game for them again against a quality opponent. But it's a big game on Saturday, you know, for, for Villanova I say every game is important as Providence continues to win them. And, and we barrel towards the big game against the Friars next Tuesday. Um, I'm sure there'll be pre- plenty of Seton Hall fans making the trip down to Wells Fargo. As we said, the last Wells Far- Fargo game of the regular season I'm pumped. It's a it's a big one. I this is my favorite rivalry for Villanova and the Big East. For me, I, I always really get up for Seton Hall games, and uh, let's do it. It's going to be a good one.
1: Definitely, definitely. We might not have the measuring stick of the Xavier game, but this will be a huge measuring <laughs> stick for Eric Dixon going yep. up against seven foot two Ike Obiagu, the <laughs> one of the top shot blockers in the conference and then also Tyrese Samuel who is out another big man Mm. that's just so crucial to their game
0: yeah it's it's a really important one and for Villanova to you know at least to have Wednesday Thursday Friday now to pass to give guys like Justin and Colin a little bit more time to heal up you wonder what they're going to really look like come Saturday, not saying that they'll be healed, but I think they have a little bit more of an opportunity to be full strength. And of course, that'll that'll make you feel a lot better, too. So we don't know the full extent of this Villanova team going into it. Not it's not as much of a question mark as, as heading into the St. John's game. But you would think that this could only be a good thing uh, for them to continue their healing process, get a couple of days off here. And then that's a home game, at least. I
1: have one question for you. Oh, yeah. Over or under 12 minutes. Chris oh, Chris r 2 no. oh, no. that. Moment. You didn't even have to
0: say who it was. You just had to say the 12 minutes, and I knew where you were going. Um oh, that's a it's a phenomenal question. I am going to I'm gonna say under, and I say under because I just think Tuesday night was so rough that I don't know how Jay can trot him out there for an extended period of time again, unless he, he really shows that he's in it early. Uh, I I think he sees a reduction on Saturday. What about you?
1: I'm a complete masochist. We see.
0: 26 minutes again the yukon game oh, part okay. two. maybe maybe
1: maybe not that high maybe not that high but but i'm feeling a nice 15.
0: okay okay all right we'll see no i, I <laughs> listen i'm gonna i'd be lying if i said that wasn't absolutely on my mind as we go into this game to see how that minute's distribution gets, uh, gets worked out. And if Brian Antoine sees an increase, if Longino sees an increase, hell, if, if, you know, Gillespie is, is able to play more minutes cause he was only at 26, which is a, uh, you know, not a lot for him, of course, dealing with the injury. So it, it'll be something to follow, but I'm going to go with under.
1: All right. All right. It'll be something to watch. Something to watch. On Saturday.
0: A- absolutely. All right. That'll send us into around the big East then before we finish up, with a mailbag, this is not a flagship week in the big east, is how I would put it. Um, for, for some big matchups, yes, as we record this tonight, is Xavier Seton Hall. Don't think anyone's right now home about Georgetown to Paul, though, very interesting game, as you said, for Brendan Riley's bet and for who is going to finish in the cellar. Uh, you've got UConn and Xavier on Friday night. I, I know I've mentioned this before, but. I love that the Big East does some of these Friday night games. I think it's so fun. It's such a differentiator because so many conferences take off. And now to have a UConn traveling to Sintos. it's a really good game.
1: Yeah, I know that both teams have kind of been a little shaky as of mm-hmm. late, and it's definitely been a point of contention whether or not they should still be ranked and this and that. You're right, that It doesn't take away. It's still a good matchup for Friday night, and – A good one to watch. Good one to watch. I'm not exactly sure. My my opinion on these two teams waver each week Mm. and I can't tell who's going to come out on top here.
0: I think this is a tough ask for Xavier because as we're talking about this, they're playing Seton Hall right now. They get one day's rest before UConn comes in, uh, you know, a a really physical team for UConn. They just had the big win against Marquette on Tuesday night, of course had to exert a bunch of energy with how Marquette plays. I, I just think it might be a lot to ask for Xavier to play two out of three, two games in three days against two more physical teams in the conference in Seton Hall and, and UConn. So I'll lean the Huskies on Friday night.
1: Yeah, the Huskies do sound like the favorite on paper. I mean, they surprised me a little bit with that Marquette win. Yes. Especially with the way they did it. They
0: needed that so badly.
1: Oh, yeah. Especially after back-to-back losses. Mm-hmm. Shutting down one of the hottest teams in the conference. Yeah, it's a pretty good one.
0: Sonogo went off. He's just, if you weren't impressed by Eric Dixon on last Saturday, which, what were you watching if you weren't? um, To then see Sonogo out there, I believe, for 24 points and 15 rebounds against Marquette, that's who he was playing against. And it just, oh, my God, just to go back to the Eric Dixon horn because I can't stop tooting it because it's just been so good. Rightfully show, Rightfully so. <laughs> we look at the weekend then Seton Hall, Villanova, probably your biggest one. Uh, you know, Marquette Butler, Creighton, Georgetown and DePaul, Providence on Saturday. Sunday, Yukon St. John's can be an interesting one at the Garden. You know, flipping the script then on Yukon, playing Friday night at Cintas, then having to travel to the Garden. You know, it's been referenced many times. St. John's really doesn't have that quality win they're going to get yet another shot at it on Sunday for a noon start at the garden.
1: What's crazy is at one point during the game, the St. John's student section started a fire. Mike. I it was, read it that just blew my mind. It just wow. My mind. It wasn't a lot of people. It was a small contingent, but just enough that you could hear it.
0: That surprised me. It, it really did. I, I get the frustration there. I think they're underperforming for the talent, but that's, that, that's, pretty rash in my book um for someone yeah. that still hasn't had a lot of time there um and has in my mind been a big coaching upgrade over chris mullen and just the x's and <laughs> o's and, and all of that but i take a subtle shot
1: yeah yeah i mean you know at least mike anderson host practice chris mullen sounded like you know oh you guys feel like working out today oh, no
0: not really oh, okay. <laughs> okay you're good so no worries um and, and that's
1: get you gatorade yeah <laughs>
0: I miss watching Shibori play, actually. Um, but no, that that that's where I would fall on Anderson, and then that that pretty much leads into it. And then, of course, be back to uh, to talk through uh, preview for Nova Providence next Tuesday night, and that's your Big East kind of roundup. Which means we have one more segment left, and I'm pretty sure it is the reason why you wanted to come back because you missed these so much.
1: You know, I forgot it was a Thursday episode until you reminded me and then I got
0: excited. <laughs> With it being a Thursday episode to close things out here, we are going to hit a mailbag. Always love, you know, answering these questions. I know we answered one from Matt a little earlier and then a couple good ones to get through here. So we'll start things off from a question from Jeff Kirsten. Why doesn't Demir Cosby round play? He seemed to be perfectly healthy early on.
1: Add this to another one of the rotational mysteries that's surrounding mm. this team, Jeff. I, I wish I had a flat-out answer for you. I, he did chip in a few nice minutes here and yep. there in a couple of the non-conference games, and all of a sudden it just disappeared again. I don't know.
0: So as you said, it is a mystery, but I can give you a hypothesis on it. When he did start playing and remember, it was bizarre. We're re-added to the roster and no one knew what was really going on because no one thought he'd be playing again. Uh, That was, of course, the period where Villanova was dealing with some injuries, was dealing with the flu. And I think Jay looked at the team and said, you know, kind of I, I know that Demir is compromised, but I also know that he knows the system. And he was just looking for someone to put out some solid minutes And that's who he turned to when the rest of the team was struggling, whether it be through injury or the flu or whatever. Now that guys have gotten healthy again and and gone past that, I think he's gone to the normal plan, which was to not play Demir, because I'm honestly not sure how much his body you know, can hold up with all that the, the poor kid's gone through over the past couple of years. Of course, that is complete speculation on my part, but that's how I at least look at it.
1: That's a nice logical way to look at it. Thank
0: you. I try to be logical, at least sometimes. (laughs) The thing with
1: DCR is it's, you know, I I know that they said he had been practicing with the team and, and he looked good enough where Mm -hmm. he could play, but just the fact that he was able to get back, Pat, you're right. Like that in itself was a huge accomplishment after all the odds and him being removed from the active roster, then getting put back onto it, then playing in, six different games like that. That was crazy. That was way more than anyone could have expected.
0: It got to be a huge morale booster too, to see someone that from all accounts, what everyone has heard is beloved around that program, you know, has dealt with so much over the last couple of years and was able to get some run, especially in the big five, you know, with him being from Philadelphia, how much that means. I look at it more that way rather than he was looking to establish himself in full rotation minutes. But as you said, it is a bit of a mystery. All right. Moving into our friend Brendan Riley then, and it's perfect timing because we have our NBA expert on the the line with me for this one. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, Your NBA team can trade for any one active NBA Nova alum. Or if they already have one, they can add another one. Who are you going out and getting? And so to run down the list, just for people to think it through, you've got Kyle Lowry, Josh Hart, Mikael Bridges, Dante DiVincenzo, Jalen Brunson, Eric Paschal, Sadiq Bey, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl.
1: I was having a nice conversation with a group of people about this same exact question, not specifically Nova oriented, but it just happened to include a Nova person. And that's Jalen Brunson. The Knicks mm. need a point guard. Yes, they do. Zero point guards. And it's hilarious because a lot of the, the qualms or the, the problems I hear from the Knicks franchise, I also hear from Villanova fans, <laughs> in regards to why don't the younger guys get more playing time? Why does Coach Tom Thibodeau lean to, towards his favorites and not play, not give other guys a chance? And it's kind of funny in that That sense, sounds familiar. One thing that the, is also... Overlapping is the love for Jalen Brunson. He's a point guard, guy's a killer. He's been performing very well in the NBA. I would love to see him in the next jersey.
0: So I, it, it toys with my heartstrings because Jalen Brunson is my absolute all-time favorite Villanova player. As I record this, I've got a signed picture of him hanging over my desk because <laughs> um, he is certainly my guy. But as I, I walk through these, I I just I look at Mikhail Bridges. And I'll, I'll redo the wrong of the Knicks taking Kevin Knox over him and all the years of pain that that has clearly caused. Um, and I'll go with Mikhail just with how he's developed into just, I, I would say prototypical three and D wing, but that's not even giving him enough credit for how good he's become. The fact that the man had a full-on feature written about him being the star stalker on the athletic about his defensive Uh, capabilities and how good he is there Uh, you know how nicely he fits into that phoenix squad i'm so impressed and so happy about how mikhail has progressed as an nba player that i'll I'll go with mikhail bridges even though as you said the knicks so desperately need a point guard and and jalen brunson would fit that mold so nicely
1: i'll take mikhail too i've been wanting mikhail ever since draft night but hey it didn't work out and but you know, Thankfully for mikel it has worked out since yes. he got traded to Phoenix. And it worked out a lot more than I think a lot of us thought it would at first. And the star stalker, I like that. All I know is the way that he D's up guys like Luka Doncic mm-hmm. or Kawhi. He said it before, he makes defense a lot of fun. and He does. Watching his progression has been something else.
0: The the personality doesn't hurt too. So, you know, such a fun, love and happy guy. Yeah, exactly. And and then I'll go with, you know, honorable mention here as we bring up Brunson, Sadiq Bey and the player that he's turned into uh, out in Detroit and the three point like killer that he is out there. What is he fifth fastest to I don't even remember what the number was for made threes. Um, but, you know, uh, imagine that for what Sadiq, since he came out here. So he has turned into such a nice NBA player as well, not taking anything away from Josh Hart, who was of course, just traded, you know, Dante DiVincenzo has had some injury problems, but has really fitted nicely with the bucks. I know Pascal Robinson Earl still kind of, uh, you know, gaining their way, uh, even though Pascal does a nice job. Um, so it, it Villanova players have, have really, you know, over the past couple of years, gone to the NBA and made an impact, but you know, Mikhail is, Mikhail's the guy I'd look at.
1: Yeah, and hopefully this pipeline continues to grow. It's been a very welcomed addition and a nice way to shut, finally shut down all those oh Jay Wright can't develop pros or Villanova's not a pro factory stuff. Like yeah. all this stuff has now been put to rest with the way that these guys have merged over the last couple of years.
0: Remember when the knock against the 2016 team was that there's no NBA pros on it and Villanova can't can't develop them, and then they went out and won a national title and sent multiple guys to the NBA.
1: And then now the haters are using that as, oh, they won in
0: 2016
1: and 2018 because they had multiple NBA guys. Which one is it? Which it's great. It? It's great how the
0: tables turn, right?
1: <laughs> so, yeah, it's great. It's also annoying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. And then we've got uh, – I, I would say one more question, but we've got four questions actually to close things out. Coming from Rob Enselm. first one, Nova basketball-centric, are you worried about this team closing in March?
1: Uh see on one hand you, you think like oh this is just one of those you know mid-february lulls and i'm gonna overreact and then when march comes they're gonna go on some crazy run however brendan's numbers <laughs> and and analysis and articles leave me to believe that i think there might be a problem might like, might be just a little bit just a little bit just a little bit
0: yeah my alarm bells have rung uh, here so <laughs> yes I, I am worried about this team closing in march because there's just been too much of a sample size of uh of bad things happening so i'm certainly a little nervous there second question proudest social media interaction were athletes slash analysts that liked or retweeted your tweet pat you go first uh, i just to say i couldn't i've been thinking about this I'm sure it's happened. I cannot think of anything off the top of my head, and I've been on Twitter for a long time, but I just I don't tweet very often. Um, so I'll first I'll cop out and give you a Twitter answer, and I'll say anytime any of our listeners tweet me, I love it, and it, it's great to, to talk to all you guys. So could continue to do so, and then I'll cheat and say you know an in person type meeting. Uh, one of my favorite meetings I ever had was when I was covering Villanova surprisingly, during my time at Villanova. And uh, before a game, I got to go over and talk with Bill Raftery and, and speak with him for a while. And it was just how down to earth and nice and cool and you know, willing to give advice. And it's the raft you get on TV and all that. Oh, my God, it was such a cool experience. So I can't give the full you know, actual answer to the question because I just can't think of anything off the top of my head. But I'll do a cop out.
1: I like that. I like that. I've heard a lot of stories about Bill Rafter.
0: He's I, hear he's best. Quite
1: the, I hear he's quite the party animal, too, which is kind <laughs> of hilarious.
0: Yes, it is. <laughs> uh,
1: let's see. I would say. Oh, it was uh, for me, it's uh, Ben Stiller. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, he he retweeted my Knicks article and I didn't realize that he was like a diehard Knicks fan.
0: <laughs> that's pretty cool. Oh, I, yeah. I like that. That that's gonna be a good feeling.
1: Yeah, that was uh when I saw it, I was like, wait, no, no, there's no way this is Ben still. <laughs> and then you see like the check mark and it's like Wow! <laughs> always,
0: always look for the check mark and the followers. Is what I do. Oh yeah, yeah, that was
1: yeah, that was the other thing too. I was like, oh okay, like a million followers. Yeah, yeah
0: sounds awesome. like him. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh, <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> Number three, best food on Villanova's campus is Law School Cafe,
1: the, the hidden secret. It is a, a hidden people, secret. A lot of people go through their four years never experiencing it,
0: and it's a travesty. That, that many people go through four years without experiencing. I didn't have it too much, but when I did have it, I always really liked it. For me, it's Cafe Nova. Um, oh, yeah, and
1: that's number two. For I say sure.
0: Cafe Nova, their chicken parm was just always uh, chicken parm with that salad. Oh, I, I had that too many times uh, during my time at Villanova. So, so some really good stuff. Also, under the radar, make your own wrap and Bel Air and, and Connolly. Oh, made some,
1: oh, that sounds new. That's a, whoa, what's, m- that? what's that? What's that? What's made that?
0: some good, but going to the deli and making your own wrap, made some good buffalo chicken uh wraps in there. Whoa, some good stuff. Wow.
1: Second story was great, too. That's yes. probably number three for me.
0: Oh, a lot, lot of time spent there junior year. I lived in Cleck, so I was right across from it. So very easy access, which probably wasn't great for my diet. <laughs> but hey, it's all right, right?
1: <laughs> it's all right. I, I know I'd been there. 1:50 a.m. Ten minutes before closing. Too many times
0: to count. Got to little... sprint in exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then one more here. Valentine's Day is around the corner. What is your best love advice?
1: Oh man, well I, I think I'm off to a bad start because I almost forgot it. Was Valentine's <laughs> Day I'm, I'm, what what is it? Monday. 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 Yeah. Um, uh, someone asked this question I think three years ago, two years ago, and. I still stand by what I said back then, and that's whoever you date, make sure they're a Villanova fan because it makes the experience so much more enjoyable. Like you could watch all these games together or they'll understand the fandom. You have someone who doesn't like college basketball or maybe they're like a UNC fan or a Duke fan. They just don't get it. And it's not as fun. Not as fun.
0: I can't believe we went with the same thing. No um, way, no I, way. I, that is exactly where I was thinking because I say like, I'm lucky enough that my girlfriend is uh, is also a Villanova alum from my year. Um, and I wasn't going to say exactly that, but I, what, how I was going to frame it was be sure to try and find someone that understands your sports habits and accepts you for you because that, that's better I,
1: that's, that's better that's a No no because
0: if they understand that you know you're screaming at a TV cuz Chris Archdiacono threw away an inbound pass and they get it that's going to make the relationship so much better. Right. If they know that I'm going to watch a Met game in the springer and the, in the springer, wow. In the summer and get really pissed off when they blow a game in the ninth inning, <laughs> you know, it, it's just, it's easier that way when, when they understand. So that that's where I'll go with that. Yeah.
1: That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Thanks. Yeah, I, I remember there was this uh, one-time post-graduation, you know, you right out in the real world, quote unquote, real world. And then, I was dating someone who went to UNC. First off, didn't even like college basketball. Ooh, that's so, a red flag. Which is just strange. And then, yeah, it was just all the, you know, sure, she could sit down and enjoy it, but I, I don't know. Like, she was able to watch a couple of games, but just didn't get it. And then then the question became, how can you watch Villanova so much? Sure <laughs> to say that that relationship did not last very long. <laughs>
0: i i think you're you're saying some pretty sound advice and and some things for people to look out for uh in their own world then so uh, i i think the the job has been done
1: do you think the mets will have a good season do you think Uh, we'll even have a
0: season Oh, will
1: they even be a season you
0: don't want to start me off on that um i god i hope so because yeah this baseball lockout i always thought it was going to go into february because the owners and the players were never going to kick into high gear until there was actually some pressure on them to miss games. But now we sit here with this episode dropping on February 10th and uh, we're going to start to miss some spring training games and push stuff back real quick. So uh, let, let's get a, uh, let's get that figured out everyone. Cause I want to watch Max Scherzer pick and sit, pitch at city field this year. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yes. How could I forget? Yeah. That was like the big acquisition for the Mets.
0: Yeah. It would be the most Mets thing in the world for them to now have the biggest payroll in all baseball going into the season. And then <laughs> yeah, for the season to yeah, then the yeah. season doesn't happen. It would be like, yes, they just, they still find ways to torture me even when the games aren't going on. <laughs> but no, that'll do it for us here. Um, two episodes in for you now. Thanks so much for coming on again. I'm, I'm having a blast.
1: Thank you for having me, honestly. And and thank you to everyone. You know, I, I see the tweets or I see the people who supported Chris and I on the show. And, and just the fact that they still chime in. They still interact. They still listen to you guys like that. That to me is awesome. Um, um, You know, like I said before, you guys have been killing it. And it's been a blast listening to you guys this season.
0: We appreciate it. As I've said, you guys laid the foundation. We are just trying to carry it on and having an awesome time doing it. But as I said, that'll finish it for us here on the state of the Nova nation presented by VU hoops. Be sure to check out VU for a recap on St. John's written by Eugene right here, as well as more content leading into the game against Seton hall. Also be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and follow us on Twitter at S O N N pod. I will be back at it next Tuesday, post-Valentine's Day. Get you ready for Providence and recap what we saw against Seton Hall over the weekend. Until then, enjoy the Super Bowl and Nova Nation. That's a wrap.